Okay. Well, that's great. And uh, good to see you all. Hope you're doing well. My name's Steve, as, uh, as has been said. I'm from Grace Church, as Steve said, a multi-site church. Uh, we've got congregation in Chichester, and then uh, also one in Bognor Regis, and uh, one in Midhurst that we started just recently as well. Um, it's, uh, it's really nice to be here. Um, I'm, I'm married to a lady called Jo. We've got three teenagers, and Jo was a student in Winchester. It means I feel great connections to this church because uh, Jo was a student here going back a number of years, and I used to come and visit her quite often, so I was quite used to going to what was Winchester Family Church over in the Stanmore building. And uh, it's nice to be here, though. This is lovely, isn't it? Beautiful here. And uh, my daughter's due to come to Winchester as well. Uh, she's going to be studying primary education from September. So A-level results permitting. Uh, you know, we're still waiting on that, aren't we? Hopefully she'll be here. So you'll be right to look after her, I hope, for me. It should be good. So thank you very much for inviting me to speak. Look at that, it's working. That's all right, isn't it? Good. Now, Steve Chick, I believe you've been on holiday, which is good. It's always good to have a holiday. How are you, Steve? Doing good. Steve Chick is doing good. That's what I like to hear. Yeah. Are you going to ask me how I am? Because uh, <laughs> some might say it was rude not to. <laughs> how am I doing? If you ask yeah, I would have to say I am average, really. But it's okay because I have a really, really high average. All right. So when I say I'm doing average, my average is right up there. You know, my, my average is other people's tenth birthday party. So, so I'm average. Thank you very much indeed, and that's that's good. Some people got baptised today, which was great to see. Uh, not an average day for them, of course. A uh, very different day for them. Why did they get baptised? We did it because Jesus has changed their lives. And I want to talk today about the difference that Jesus makes to your life. So if you're here and you're not yet a Christian, what I want to do is help you understand more about the difference that Jesus can make. And if you are a Christian already, I want to remind you, I want to inspire you, and I want to encourage you. So I'm going to read from the Bible in a minute, but I thought first we should take a moment to get to know each other, if that's all right. So uh, speaking of averages, I thought it would be fun as a kind of a get-to-know-you to work out the average age of a person here <laughs> listening to the preach at Hope Church. Is that all right? C- can we do that? And uh, quick show of hands, right? We're going to get used to using our hands this morning. Quick show of hands. Who has done either O-level or GCSE maths? Quick show of hands. Put them up. Keep them up. Keep them up if you passed it with a grade C or above. Keep them up if you passed it. A few, few less I see there. Yeah, but okay, we're quite an intelligent bunch here in Winchester, which is good. So if we were to work out, you can put your hands down, if we were to work out the average age of a person in Hope Church, well, the first thing we could do, of course, is to add up all our ages and divide by the number of people in the room. That would be an average, wouldn't it? And that that sort of average, you've all done GCSE or whatever maths, that's called, what sort of average is that? You know? The mean, that's right, the mean, but that would take too long. We haven't got time to do that this morning. The the second thing, if we didn't want to do that, is we could find out how old each individual is, and we could see which age had the most people assigned to it, and that's a different type of average. Anyone know what that one's called? The mode, that's good. You were listening at school, but uh, that would also take too long. There's another average. Anyone know what that one is? Median, yeah. All we've got to do, we find the oldest person in the room, 
and the youngest person in the room, I think we'll leave babies out if that's all right, the oldest person, then the youngest person listening and conscious um, and taking it in uh, and able to respond. And then what we, we add them together and we divide by two and we get the median. I think we'll do that one. I do think we'll do that. It's probably the only time in your life a medium will ever come in handy. But it's a good job I was listening at school, isn't it? Good job I was listening at school. So first, we're going to find the oldest person in the room. Now, to do, really simple, let's all stand together. Is that all right? Let's stand. If you're able to stand, let's stand. And uh, what I want you to do is this. I want you to remain standing. We're going to do this with some major historical events. Would you please remain standing if you were alive when Margaret Thatcher became Prime Minister, 4th of May 1979? Remain standing. Okay, there we are. That's good, okay. It's a good, good collection of you. Okay, we're staying with the theme of historical events. Please remain standing if you were alive when JFK was assassinated, November 22nd, 1963. Remain standing if you were alive then. Okay, we've lost a few. Okay, we'll, we'll push it a little further. I want to stay with major historical themes this morning. I'd like you to remain standing if you were alive on D Day, June the 6th, 1944. We've still got some. We're narrowing this down. It's good. Okay, it's good. Okay. One more. Remain standing if you were alive on that famous day when plastic was invented. You all know that. July 1907. We all know that one, don't we? A famous day in history. No, but it looks like we lost everybody between D-Day and plastic. But uh, over here in the blue jumper, you were standing. Do you mind shouting loudly for me how old you are? Sorry, 80, right. Is anybody over than, older than 80? Oh, yeah, yeah, go on. <laughs> We're going for the oldest. How old are you, sir? 87. You don't look 87. <laughs> Can anybody be 87? Oh, yeah, over the back. I mean, 90. Whoa, 90. Very good. Thank you. Does anybody beat 90? 90. Going, going, gone. 90. Okay, this is, we've got our marker for the top end is 90. That's pretty good. Now, I thought we'd find the youngest person to say we won't worry about babies, but conscious, if you know what I mean, able to join in. Let's stand together. We're going to do this again using some appropriate historical moments. And I thought we'd use appropriate historical moments for young people. So young people, particularly, you, you'll relate to these, I guess. Um, so I'd like you, please, to remain standing if you were not yet born on that famous day when Robbie Williams left Take That, July 1995. There we go. If you were not yet born in July 1995, there we go. Yeah, it's all right. It's the young people that'll stay standing, not yet born. Is that good? I'm I'm hoping to pick events that, you know, you youngsters will relate. So everybody standing, you were born after July 1995. That's right. It was a sad day in our house when, when Robbie did that. Oh, he had tears. Um, let's try again, all right? Let's see. You, you guys, stay standing if you know you were not yet born. Does that make sense? You're not yet born. On that famous day in history when Girls Aloud released the classic single, Sound of the Underground, May 2003. 
May 2000. We've lost, have we lost everybody? We've got one over the back. Okay, sir. See if we can beat you yet. I want you to remain standing if you were not yet born on that incredible history-defining day when Jay-Z married Beyonce, 4th of April 2008. Have, you, have we lost you? Have you come? Right, how old are you? 11. We have 11. Fantastic. So, now we've got to work out the median. So, you can sit down now if you want to. It's a good job I brought my calculator. Um, because, uh, yeah, it's good. Oh, I'd have to ask Matthew Parker to help me. Uh, always ask, you know, someone who's good at maths. So, so what we do, it's good, isn't it, having a calculator? Just add the two together. It's good. Well, I had a calculator in my maths exam. How about that? Who knew? Calculators in the maths exams, eh? God, it's like cheating. If I had 90 and 11, what do I get, Matthew? 101. And if I divide them by two, what do I come out with? 50 and a half. 50 and a half. Right, who here is 50 and a half? Well, I want to find the average person in Winchester. Steve Lee, are you 50 and a half? Is anybody else 50 and a half? Or is it just... Right, right, hold on, hold on. I want to get as accurate as possible. 50, what month? November. November. March. Have you, and you've turned 50. March. It's you. It is you. Right, you stay standing, Steve, because I just want to make this... The average person here this morning. Winchester. The average person listening to here. If you want to know who should we be really ministering to here in Winchester, this is the example. It is Steve Lee, your average Winchester man. Very good. You can sit down now. That's fantastic. The average person in Hope Church, Winchester, is 50 and a half, male, called Steve, and lives in Southampton. But there we are. Steve, mate, this is for you. Now, I did that for a reason. Don't worry, we really are going to the Bible. I did that for a reason, because I want to look at some words that Jesus said, because we've talked a lot about average this morning. I want to tell you something, that Jesus did not intend for you to have an average life. All right? He intended us to have life to the full. That is my title for today, life to the full. And what I want to do, I want to read you some words from John chapter 10, verse 7 to 15. Let's read that together. So grab hold of your Bibles or or whatever, uh, and we're going to read. All right? We're good to go? It's been up there for a while, hasn't it? Even though you've been knowing where I'm going. Okay, John 7. Jesus said this, Truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Stop there. Now... Did you catch some of the key words there that Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. 
So life to the full is what I really want to talk about. Jesus did not call you to be average. Life to the full is something Jesus offers. Now, some people may not associate the phrase life to the full with Christianity. So let's ask a question. How do we find life to the full? Now, if I were to go out and ask people in Winchester, just to pop out the front and start to ask them this question, how do you find life to the full? I think we might get these sort of answers. Things like this. If it feels right, do it. Or pursue your dreams and goals. Never take no for an answer. Win the lottery or earn lots of money. I I think those are the sort of answers people might tell us. This is how you'll find life to the full. And those are philosophies behind life for many, many people here today, or in the world today, and possibly in this room today as well. And there's a name for that kind of lifestyle, a lifestyle spent in the pursuit of pleasure, get what you want, put yourself first. It's called hedonism, or hedonism, depending on how you like to say it. Okay, hedonism. And if the media is anything to go by, then a hedonistic lifestyle, in theory, offers you good things. It offers you excitement, it offers you love, it offers you adventure, and it offers you celebration. The the joy of a hedonistic lifestyle, pursue life to the full, that's life to the full, life to the max. Wonderful. Do what you want, go where you want, do if it feels right, do it, just go for it, and you'll be really living, man. But let's contrast that with the Christian lifestyle, which has so much to offer, because as portrayed too often, the Christian lifestyle contains such things as prayer and piety and safety and dependability, important things for the Christian life. Doesn't that look exciting by contrast? And the problem is it doesn't, does it? And I don't know if you're like me, but when I look at that, I don't think that looks much like life to the full. Do you know, sometimes when Joe and I go out, we play a game together. You can play it when you're out. You can play it watching TV as well. And the game we play is called Spot the Christian. And uh, the way it works is it's dead easy. Right? It's dead easy like this. You look around for the one... I mean, I don't need to tell you on TV which of these two would be portrayed as the Christian. You know? It's going to be the geek. The Christian on TV. Or it's the geek or it's the very uptight old lady, or it's the corrupt vicar, or it's the self-righteous bigot to be made an example of. And that's so often how Christians are portrayed in the media. But I want to tell you something else, because this, this is obvious, but it's okay to make an obvious point sometimes, despite what the media may portray. In reality, the hedonistic lifestyle actually brings various other things. It brings pain, hangovers, heartache, physical injury, it leads to disappointment and another failed relationship, bits of your soul given away that really shouldn't have been. It leads to loneliness, isolation, emptiness, suicide rates are rocketing amongst young men who should should have everything to live for. And of course, disease, drug addiction, alcoholism, sexually transmitted infections. Ah, the joy of a hedonistic lifestyle to the full. Actually, the reality is quite different. I've got a friend, a very good friend of mine, who has really given himself over to a hedonistic lifestyle. He often has several girlfriends at once. They don't always know about each other. Um, he, he drinks to excess, usually down the best part of a bottle of vodka before he starts an evening out. He uses recreational drugs, goes to lots of parties. He's got a career that I know many people would genuinely envy. He drives fast convertible cars and in theory should be happy because he has life to the full. 
but he's a good friend, so I also know about the chlamydia. Uh, I know about the uh, serious depression. I know about his suicide attempts, um, and his story's not unique. He laughs at my faith. But I look at his life, and I go, is that life to the full? You know, the evidence is there for all to see. Just pick up a newspaper. We know deep down that life to the full doesn't come from money, sex, drugs, career, status, fame, relationships, or any other external thing. I'll tell you, as a church pastor over the years, I've found that without God, it may be a little bit of a cliche to say it, but without God, people know something is missing, and they try to stuff the hole on the inside with all sorts of things, with money, sex, drugs, career, status, fame, relationships, children, you name it, bung it all in there, see if that'll fill up the hole. It may surprise you to hear that I believe the missing thing is actually a relationship. I think it is a relationship that's missing. But not just any relationship, it's our ultimate relationship, a relationship with our creator, with God, which is what Jesus offers. Now, I've been a Christian since I was 10, and I can say with certainty that when understood and lived rightly, the Christian lifestyle actually can bring you excitement, love, adventure, and celebration. And I'll tell you what, life to the full is what Jesus offered, and that's what Jesus brings you. That's why my average is higher than the average average. Christians, we should be like the yogi bears of this world, you know? Smarter than the average person, right? Our average should be higher than the average person. That's why we should be living. Jesus calls us to live well for him. John 10 verse 10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Most people have experienced the first part of the verse. They have, through their life, seen the thief The Bible calls him Satan or the devil. He's stolen, he's killed, he's destroyed things in your life. Even if you don't believe in him, you can see evidence of him everywhere, in your family, in your life, in the world around you. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But life to the full is found through having a relationship with Jesus. It starts with knowing him. So if you don't know Jesus yet, I want to point you in his direction. But if you do know him, I want to remind you of what it is you have in Jesus and encourage you towards living up to it and enjoying the fullness that he offers you. So then, how do we find the fullness of life that Jesus offers? I want to give you three steps. The first one is this, to see your life in the light of eternity. See your life in the light of eternity. Jesus told lots of parables. There's one particular one I want to go to this morning uh, don't worry about turning to it in your Bible. It's, it's recorded in Luke chapter 12. Um, and I'm actually not going to read it to you. You could look it up for yourself later on if you want to. Luke chapter 12. But in the parable, Jesus told us about a man who was very successful by the standards of this world. And in the parable, he was a farmer. But I reckon if Jesus had told the parable today, he would probably have been the CEO of a large company, the big shot the highly successful man in his field of expertise, the self-made individual who had climbed to the top of the ladder. It might be you this morning. You might know that sort of person. He had everything, everything he needed, he had, and he'd worked hard to get it. This is a guy who had neglected his wife and neglected his children in a climb to the top. He'd worked day and night, evenings and weekends. He had achieved what no one in his family had done before because in the eyes of the world he was a huge success. But looking at his pile of cash, he had a problem. They didn't know what to do with it all. He made so much profit 
from all his efforts. He couldn't work out where to put it all. So in the parable, the man made a plan that he would build a set of bigger barns to store it all in, and then he could retire. I guess today Jesus would have said he he made a big investment in a safe, well-managed fund with well-spread risks and great returns. And then he said to himself, sit down, relax, take life easy, enjoy yourself. After all, you've earned it. He had given years to get to this point, and now he could relax. The scheming, the planning, the buying, the selling, the ladder climbing... It had all paid off, working day and night, neglecting children and family. Now he had hit the big time. He had done it. He could take life easy, enjoy it, and relax. And in the parable, what happened then was that very night he died. And he didn't get to enjoy a single penny of it. And I guess at his funeral, the man's friends and colleagues would have made an assessment of his life. It would have had phrases such as a success, an asset to the community, a self-made man. His wife and kids might have harbored resentment, but they would have enjoyed the financial benefits that he'd brought them. But in the parable, Jesus also made an assessment of that man's life. Just as one day, Jesus is going to make an assessment of your life and of every life in this room And Jesus summed him up in one word. Now, Jesus isn't given often in the Bible to strong words or strong language, but on this occasion he did. He summed up that man's life in one word, and that word was fool. Jesus said, you fool. See, from the perspective of eternity, any person who spends their life and gives their time and all their effort to planning how they're going to get ahead in life, how they're going to earn money, how they're going to spend it, who gives all they have to control a bigger share of all the world's riches and resources, who gives really careful thought to retirement, which one in three people never reach, and which is just for a few short years, but doesn't give thought and time to consider how they are spending their eternal soul, that person is not a wise person. In the eyes of God and in the perspective of eternity, they are a fool. And it applies to more than just money. You know, we entered this world with nothing. We will leave this world with nothing. We will take nothing with us. Quick show of hands. Good hands. Who knows and remembers their grandparents well? I do. Keep your hands up if you know and remember your great-grandparents well. Some of you might have met one or two of them. Anything before that? Great-great-grandparents? The truth is, we know a certain amount about our grandparents, very little about our great-grandparents, and nothing much before that. Within two to three generations, most of us will have been utterly forgotten. No one will remember your name or care about your social networking status. So I have to ask the question, Christian and non-Christian alike, what are you pursuing? What are you giving your life for? Is it money, career, independence, relationship, fame, status? What is driving you and whatever it is, what does it count for in the light of eternity? 
to enjoy the fullness of life that Jesus offers us, we, we must see our lives in the light of eternity. But we don't like to think about that because as soon as we start to do that, it can make us fearful, which leads to step two. Thank you for that wonderful testimony this morning. That was really good. Because the second thing I want to say is this. If we want to get life to the full, we must acknowledge our true fears to Jesus. It's a great testimony this morning just about this. What are you afraid of? Now, I don't mean spiders or the dark or heights. What is it that really makes you nervous? What are you terrified of? What we fear controls us. And even as a Christian, we can sometimes live with things that we don't need to. Truth is, some people are afraid of the past. Maybe there's stuff in your life that's happened in the past that you just wish hadn't happened. You've done stuff you regret. Do you know, sometimes some things can go right back to childhood. Things that happened as a kid. Things that happened in the playground, even. And the truth is, time doesn't take it away. You're not alone in this. But actions we do can haunt us for a lifetime. Our conscience can be troubled. You worry that that past events will catch up with you, that you'll be exposed somehow. Some people are actually quite afraid of the past. For others, it's not the past, it's the present. That's your fear. Some here, maybe you just don't know how you're going to get through the day, how to handle another day at that job. Or how to cope with this illness. Or how to carry on as a, as a wife or a husband or a mother or a father. Some people find that every day is a challenge. It can be hard just to get out of bed in the morning. I said it already, but the suicide rate's going up and the worst affected group is young men who should have everything to live for. There are some people whose big fear isn't the past, it's today. And of course there are others who are quite scared of the future. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what will happen next week. You don't know what will happen next month or next year. Will it be okay? Will I be okay? Will I remain healthy? What about my children? How will they be? What about my parents? More than that, we worry about death. Eternity. You know, I wake at night and try to imagine eternity going on forever and ever. It can be quite scary. What will happen when I die, these three big fears, you know, these can be big issues. And we won't enjoy life to the full that Jesus offers unless they're dealt with. You can push it down, and you can push it down, and you can push it down. But when you're tired, or fed up, or on your own, or you're in bed at night, these fears can creep back out again, and we hide them away. Because we don't want, don't want to know what to, we don't know what to do with them. What can I do with this? Hide it away, take another sleeping tablet, but Jesus can deal with it all. And I believe he's the only one that can deal with our past, present and future and bring us the fullness of life, which we're talking about. It just reminds me then of this, that step three, which is very simple. I want to encourage you this, and I'm speaking to Christians and non-Christians here when I say this. The third step is to surrender your life to Jesus. See, there's a lot of jargon that's used by Christians, phrases like getting saved or coming to faith in Jesus or asking Jesus into your heart. And uh, 
We've watched a group of people get baptised as Christians. Let me just take a moment to very simply explain to you or remind you what it is they believed and accepted. What was it that was going on there? What is it that Jesus offers each one of us? It's very simple. And this really, it, does, it is simple. Jesus, uh, you and I were made for a relationship with a God who loves us passionately. But that our sin, the things we've done wrong, cuts us off from that relationship. And that God is holy. And our sin and failure creates a gap between us and God that we simply cannot bridge by our own human effort. Oh, you can try, but you'll never get there by yourself. See, there's a price to pay for our sin. There's a consequence. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But Jesus, as part of offering us life to the full, came to bridge the gap between us and God. He laid down his life for the sheep. That's what our passage said. He paid the price for us. It happened at the cross. Jesus died in our place to pay the price for our sin on our behalf. That's what was going on at the cross. Jesus took our sin for us. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him might not perish but have eternal life. But Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose to life again, defeating death forever. And today... He offers us the free gift of forgiveness and eternal life when we put faith in him and surrender our lives to him. And when we do that, we find he has power to overcome our fears of the past, the present, and the future. In short, he gives us life to the full. So if you're not yet a Christian, I want to encourage you that you can enter into this. But if you are a Christian as well, I also want to encourage you because I meet too many Christians that are not living in the goodness of it as well. You know, you've maybe prayed a prayer and given your life to Jesus, but haven't really got free from the fears that haunt you. So how does Jesus deal with our fears? Well, for the past, there's forgiveness and healing. Do you know, when you came to faith in Jesus, or when you come to faith in Jesus, your slate is wiped absolutely clean. That your conscience can be thoroughly cleansed, because Jesus said, I paid for that at the cross. It's dealt with. He paid for it all at the cross. And that's why the good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. It's an amazing offer he makes to lead us towards life to the full. He said, I am the gate. That's from our passage. I'm the gate. You can enter into life through knowing Jesus. And I tell you what, Jesus can be a healer as well. He can deal with all the pain from the past. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me by still waters. He restores my soul. Do you know Jesus can do all of that? That he can restore your soul. Whatever you've done in the past, Jesus can completely restore your soul. can make you right again. He said, come to me all who are heavy laden and I will give you rest. You can be free of your past right now this morning. If you're not yet a Christian, that's an offer Jesus makes. I say it even if you are. Too many Christians walking bound up by their past. Jesus wants to free you. 60 years of sin can be gone and it doesn't take 60 seconds to do it. For the present, there's daily strength and help. I know life can be difficult, all right? 
surrendering your life to Jesus doesn't guarantee you that life will be easy. You can follow Jesus and find real difficulties ahead. Things might get worse. You might face sickness, bereavement, redundancy, isolation, persecution, loneliness, all sorts of troubles, but Jesus makes us a promise. He promises to come alongside us and help us. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Jesus offers to walk through life with us. That's what today's passage says. I am the gate. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. That's about the daily experience of walking knowing Jesus. It's not about a moment in a meeting. It's about a life lived in relationship with him. What is it that's missing? A relationship. You're called to know him. You're called to walk with him. With Jesus, you never have to face life alone. So many people that don't know Jesus just feel on their own. Is there anyone that really understands me? There's a God in heaven and he loves you. If you remember nothing else from this morning, remember that. But Christians, you're called to walk with Jesus. It's not give my life to Jesus and then I make all my best efforts and hopefully I'll be okay. No, 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 give your life to Jesus and walk with him. Surrender to him. With Jesus, you're not on your own. His voice can give you wisdom. You can know he's with you at work, at home. You can talk to him. He's there for you. He'll come through for you. He's got answers for you. doesn't mean bad stuff will never happen, but it does mean we've got someone to help and strengthen us. We need never be on our own. Once you're a Christian, Jesus wants to come and live life with you. You get that? It's, a, it's with you. He, he lives it with you. He promises that. You can know him intimately and he leads us daily towards life to the full. We've got to choose to live in the good of it. What about the future? Well, for the future there is hope and a purpose. Jesus has a plan for your life and mine. He invites us to walk in it. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says to all Christian believers, it says we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Listen, my friends, Jesus can give you a purpose and an identity you wouldn't think possible. And he's interested in your life right now. That's why our passage that we read this morning, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Ready? Get this next bit. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Isn't that good? You can know Jesus and he knows you. Doesn't matter where you work or live, what your home situation is. Whether you're the only Christian in your family, or workplace, or school, or college, God has a plan for you in that. There are people who only you are in contact with. There are places that only you can go to. God wants to use you in his kingdom. He's got a plan to save you from your fears, fill you with his Holy Spirit, and release you to make a difference in the world. Christian and not yet Christian alike, I ask you the same question. What are you giving your life for? You know, I, I preach in quite a few churches and uh, sometimes I, I go places and I, and I suddenly see people's church vision and they say, our church vision is to grow a church of a thousand members and it's great. And... Uh, Someone say a lot of churches, the problem is their vision's too big. You know, I want to go for a thousand, they'll never get there. 
It's not. Problem is our vision's too small. Because it ain't about this meeting. Do you get that? There's a world out there. And we're called to transform. We're called to have impact. We're called to change culture. We're called to change society. Jesus has called us to make a real difference to the world that we live in. Do you get that? Problem is our vision's too small. No, get a bigger vision. Problem is it gets too small. We get inwardly focused and we start to, to worry. And am I walking with Jesus closely enough? Am I listening to him closely enough? Am I joining in the songs properly enough? Maybe I should bring a word. There's a world out there that Jesus sends us into to change. Sunday morning's just your, it might be your recharging moment, you know? And you should be walking with him all week. Anyway, come plug in, enjoy being with the people of God, get some teaching, but take Jesus with you. When we go out of this door, we go to be the church in this world. We're called to make a difference. You can go out of here confident that your future is in Jesus' hands. If you surrender your life to him, he'll lead you. And through him, you can find a purpose for living. Life to the full. It's not found by coming out of the world into a holy huddle. It's found by going out from being with Jesus and with God's people to make a difference to this world. We're called to go and live life to the full, to be transformers of our world. And through Jesus, you find a purpose for living life to the full that will last into eternity. Because it's not just about this life, it's beyond the grave. Jesus takes care of our eternal future too. So there's two possibilities when you die. You get that too. That's all, just two. I hate to break it to you, but reincarnation isn't one of them. All right? That's not what the Bible teaches. You've got a choice. You either go to be with God, it's called heaven, or to be separated from God, and the Bible calls that hell. And the choice is made in this life. And our dividing line isn't about how good we are. It's not about if you're better than other people or if you go to church or read the Bible or got baptized or do enough good things because we've all failed against God's standards. We've all sinned. The only question is, has your sin been paid for by Jesus or are you going to pay the price for it yourself? But there's a price to be paid for everybody. Too many people don't find out till it's too late. Someone can pay the price for you. Who would do that? Jesus would. Jesus did. And if you give your life to him, you can be confident through that relationship with God. He's going to bring you to fullness of life that lasts for eternity. You can't pay the price by smartening yourself up, trying harder, giving to charity, being a nicer person. It needed someone perfect to pay the price for you. And Jesus, who had no sin or debt of his own, because he never sinned, Paid the price for us. You can go to bed tonight in full assurance that your eternal future is taken care of. You can sleep in peace. You can sleep in peace, knowing that there's a shepherd looking after you. See, this is about trust. Do you remember, we heard that in that word that was brought this morning. Dealing with your fears, it's about trust. It's about saying, Jesus, I believe in you. I matter to you. I believe you care about me. I believe you died for me and rose again. And I'm trusting you to lead me in this life and take me safely to the next. I'll tell you about myself. I did that when I was a child at 10 years of age. Gave my life to Jesus. Made such a difference. Made such a difference. And he has led me ever since. Sometimes it's felt near. Sometimes not so near. But I can look back and see that Jesus has always led me, provided for me, cared for me. And if you're not yet a Christian, 
I want to ask you whether you'll take that step of putting your faith and trust in him today. And if you are a Christian, I want to ask you, are you living it out? See, the title of this talk was Life to the Full. And I said at the beginning that the Christian life understood and lived rightly can offer you life to the full. Let me tell you about my experience and my wife's experience. This is us. We follow in Jesus. My life's had excitement. Do you know, I've been to some of the most wild places on earth following God. Exciting times. I've had death threats down the phone at two in the morning. I've, I've been to refugee camps. I've preached in mud huts in Africa. I've preached in the open air in India. I've seen miraculous healings as I've prayed for people. I've seen so many answers to prayer. I tell you, following Jesus is exciting. Not only is it exciting, it can include love. The love of Jesus is wonderful. But also, in my case, the love of a fantastic wife. That's the day I got married. I don't have time to tell you today how we met and how God spoke to us and led us, but it's been fun. And if Jo was here, she would agree. And I tell you what, because of following Jesus... Our lives aren't full of past regret either. That's nice. It's precious. Now we follow Jesus together. And I tell you, my life's been full of adventure too. With God, every day is an adventure. For me, planting churches has been a real adventure. Sometimes I know, you know life can be mundane. Sometimes it's just hard work. Another day, you know, ho-hum. No, that's just reality. But I tell you what. It may not always be exciting, but it's always an adventure. Because you just don't know what's next. What's around the corner? What crazy situation is God going to lead us into? What are we going to face? Jesus invites us to have an adventure with him. Sometimes it's been crazy and difficult, but he's never let us down. And I tell you, it's also been nothing but celebration. If you don't know Jesus, you are not truly alive. These little children here, living in the poorest parts of India, celebrating and rejoicing as they hear about Jesus. There's such a joy when you know him and you give your life to him. I tell you what, heaven's going to be the biggest celebration ever. Jesus was a man of joy. It was only religious people that got upset with him. But people from every tribe and tongue and nation will be there. So my question is, will you? See, life is short. And to finish, I want to read you a poem. It's not from the Bible. It's a poem written by a Christian. really got me thinking. And I hope it will get you thinking too. You may have heard it before, but if not, just let this bless you. It was written by a woman called Mary Jean Arian. It's called Gift from a Hairdryer. Reflections of a mum as she combs her seven-year-old daughter's hair after a bath. There we are. This is the poem. I just think it catches what a precious thing life is. Comb and dry. Comb and dry. Soon, I won't be able to do this anymore. You say to yourself, knowing that the little straight bob must inevitably yield to grown-up coiffures and ugly curlers? What will she be like at 14? Where will her hair be blowing then? At 16 and 18. Do you suppose boys will love to watch her hair blow as you do now? And some of them will feel it on their faces. And one of them will marry her. And her hair will be spread under a veil and then spread out on his pillow. And oh, you hate him a little bit and you wonder where he is at this moment and whether he'll be good to her. And they will grow old together and this gold brown hair will be gone and you will be gone and then she will be gone. 
and the very hair that now your fingers smooth and all the tears of the world swim for a second in your eyes as you snatch the plug out of the socket suddenly, gather in your arms, bury your face in warm hair as if you could seal this moment against all time. But you can't. Because moments come and years fly and you cannot stop them and you cannot control them. And one day, the final moment, that final moment of your life will come and you cannot control that either. And Jesus taught us that any person who goes through this life and doesn't prepare for that moment, they are not a smart, wise person. They're a fool. So I'm going to ask you this morning, are you ready for the moment? Are you living your life before God in such a way that when that moment comes, you'll look back on a life of wisdom lived in relationship with God or are you walking down a road that will lead to major regret so let's take a moment to reflect and pray before we move on John 10.10 says the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy I've come that they might have life and have it to the full our saviour Jesus didn't call us to an average life invites us to set a whole new average he invites us to enjoy life to the full which is found in him let's pray together is that alright let's just bow our heads I want us all to pray I want to pray first for Christians. I want to ask that God would give each one of us the wisdom and the help we need to get our priorities right in the light of eternity. So Christians, I'm praying for you first. Let's just all keep our eyes closed. I want to pray, Lord Jesus, I want to pray for every Christian believer in this room. Lord, life is short and we would get our lives right in the light of eternity. Lord, we would be those who live well. Lord, you you didn't call us to be average. And Lord, to set our lives a whole new average, a life to the full, lived in pursuing you. So Jesus, I pray you give each one of us wisdom for our families. Help us to get it right at home. Lord, I pray you give us wisdom for our marriages. You'd help us to to live them well and to choose wisely. Jesus, would you give us wisdom in in the church context that you'd enable us to serve and, and to give our life for what is good. Jesus, I pray that we would genuinely make a difference to the world around us. Lord, don't don't let us be those that just build bigger barns. Lord, let, let us use what you have given us. Let us be like the guy in the parable of the talents who took what you gave him, invested it, and doubled it. Lord Jesus, give us wisdom. Give us people to speak to. Give us, Lord, let us make a difference in our workplace and a difference in our roads where we live. Jesus, we would be light of the world for you. We would be salt of the earth for you. Thank you, Lord. Anoint us by your spirit for that, I pray. Amen. Just keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed. I want to pray for people that are not yet Christians. And if you are a Christian, why don't you just gently pray for those here that aren't. But I simply want to do do something very simple this morning. If you are not yet a Christian, I simply want to give you an opportunity to change that. It's very easy. You don't have to do some magical thing. You don't have to... You know, come down the front or anything it's just very easy it's about you opening your heart where you are and giving your life to Jesus and saying Lord I want that it's about saying Lord I'm sorry for what I've done wrong would you forgive me would you come into my life would you be that friend that relationship that I've been looking for so I'm just going to pray a prayer and we're going to speak to Jesus and if you want to pray it with me either the first time or maybe as a serious recommitment I just want to give you opportunity to do that last step Maybe you've considered your life in the light of eternity. Maybe you've acknowledged some of those fears this morning. Why don't you surrender your life to Jesus?
Let's pray. And I'll just invite you in your heart, pray along with me. So, Lord Jesus, right now, in my heart, I pray that you would come close to me. Lord, I pray that you would be my saviour. Jesus, there's, there's many things I've done in the past that I regret, and I pray you would forgive me. And I'm trusting that your cross, your death, counts for me. Jesus, I need your help and strength to live each day. And I pray, good shepherd, that you come and walk through life with me. Come and live in me. And Lord Jesus, I need that certainty for the future that you offer. Thank you, Lord, that you were raised to life. And I pray that I'll be raised with you one day too. Jesus, come and live in me. I surrender my life afresh to you today. Amen. Very simple. Keep your eyes closed. Just do me a favor. I want to just do one more thing. I just want to ask you, if you've prayed that prayer for the very first time, or if you've prayed it as a kind of a moment of serious recommitment, because God's just been doing something in your heart while I've been speaking, would you just put your hand up so I can see? It's just helpful for me. I don't want to, you know, prolong it. Put it up high. That's fine. Just so I can see. Anybody else? I don't want to miss anybody. It's great. Okay. Just keep them up for me. Just that's right. No one else is watching. Just me. Anyone else? There's three over on the right. Don't want to miss anybody at the back. Down here. It's wonderful. Okay, put your hands down now. That's great. Let's stand together.